There in Exodus 20, beginning in verse 1, let us now hear the inspired, the inerrant word of the living God. God spake all these things, all these words to them, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, thy manservant nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor the stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor thy father and, my, and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. As it is our custom on the Sabbath in which we have the Lord's Supper, we come to this passage, and perhaps it sounds rote, perhaps it sounds uh, tedious for us to go through the exercise of reading the law and understanding what it says, but when Israel stood before the Lord God, particularly in the the reforms of uh, the kings of Israel, they stood for hours to hear the reading and explanation of God's word. We don't stand, we sit. And yet we need to be reminded again and again that these are the words that God spoke to his people. And so they carry weight. It's not the words of man. It's not the dictates of a culture that changes, but it is the unchanging word of God that we are called to give our obedience to. There in Deuteronomy chapter 27... In verses 9 and 10, Moses records these words and says, Moses and the priests and the Levites spake unto all Israel, saying, Take heed and hearken, O Israel, this day thou art become the people of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt therefore obey the voice of the Lord thy God and do his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day. And as Israel is standing there and Moses calls them to take heed and hearken to the voice of God, 
There was no other choice they had. They were commanded to keep the law of God. Man is required to obey God's law. The Apostle James reminds us in his epistle that we must be doers of God's word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. And so Moses reminds us that we are to take heed and to hearken to God's commands. To take heed means that we give not merely a thought to it, but that we pay attention and do what it says. When a parent tells his children, listen, he's not just saying, listen and then forget what I said. He's saying, listen to what I'm saying. You must obey. We give honor to God by keeping his commandments. On the Lord's Day evening, we have been looking at Psalm 119 and seeing the importance of hiding God's word in our hearts. In order for us to be obedient to the law, our obedience must be right and acceptable unto God. So what is acceptable obedience that the Lord our God requires? Well, first of all, that obedience must be, be free and cheerful. In other words, we must be willing and obedient to God's word. Our heart must be willing and we must have a cheerful duty. Oftentimes we can outwardly obey, and yet we don't have a cheerful duty. And yet the psalmist says, Oh, how I love thy law, for it is my meditation day and night. And so for the child of God to obey the commandments of God means that we must be cheerful, and we must freely do it. We're not coerced into doing it, but there's a freeness in obeying what God has called us to do. Second of all, we see that obedience unto God should be devout and fervent. The heart must be filled with holy affections in our service to God. We are not to be half-hearted. We saw last Lord's Day evening that the psalmist says, I love God with what? My whole heart. And so we give wholehearted service unto the Lord. It should come from a fervent heart. It should come from a heart that exudes with holy affections for the service of God. Thirdly, obedience must be extensive to all the commands of God. Obedience comes in doing all that He commands. God does not give six commandments He does not give nine commandments. He gives ten. And so the obedience comes in doing all God requires. But in each one of those ten commandments, there is more than just what we see on the surface. Like having no gods before me, remembering the Sabbath day, keeping it holy. But there's many things involved in that obedience. And so there's an extensive aspect to that obedience Fourthly, our obedience must be sincere, not hypocritical, but one that is truly from the heart. Sincere obedience comes from the desire to give glory unto God. That is our aim, to give glory to God. Our actions must be right, but our hearts must be right as well. Oftentimes there are the actions, these 
the outward obedience, and yet there's no heart. And yet, sincere obedience comes from a heart that is devoted to the Lord our God. Our motive in our duty should always be out of fear of God alone. Fifthly, our obedience must always be in and through the Lord Jesus Christ alone. This is important to understand because Christ has made us accepted in Him. It is not our obedience, but it is His merits that make us acceptable before God. Outside of obedience, outside of Christ, our obedience is simply legalism. Outside of Christ, our obedience is simply moralism. It is no different than one who is speeding down the highway and sees those red lights and suddenly slams on his brakes. He's not giving wholehearted obedience to the law at that point. And yet oftentimes we must understand that outside of Christ, we're just simply like Israel in the life of the Lord Jesus. We just simply go according to the law as legalists and not from a sense of a heart that has been changed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Sixthly, our obedience must be constant. We must not waver. As James reminds us, we must not be men who waver, women who waver, but we must remain steadfast. Like the fire on the altar in the Old Testament, it must always be kept burning. (coughs) And so we must remember that our obedience to the law of God comes out of a heart that has been changed, a heart that has been changed by the risen Christ who gives us the power and the grace to obey it. Perhaps we need to look at the law and see where we have fallen and seek the Lord's mercy. Given a challenge in the Lord's Day evening as we go through Psalm 119 to memorize that because Psalm 119 speaks of the law of God and its importance in the life of the believer. The law has... Much relevance to the believer. Some would say, well, we're not under the law. We're under grace. And yet we are obligated to keep the law because as Israel, God spoke these words to a people who were delivered from the power of sin. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Therefore, thou shalt have no other gods before me. If one is delivered from the power of sin, if one has been delivered, as the psalmist reminds us in our call to worship, if we've been delivered from that miry pit, why would we not want to give our obedience unto Christ? And yet we must confess that even this week, perhaps we've had half-hearted obedience, perhaps we've fallen. And yet we are sinful and frail creatures. That's why we have a perfect and sinless Savior. Because we cannot keep the law. And so as we look at the law this morning, as we look at the summary of God's law there in Exodus chapter 20, we must realize that we are servants of the living God who always fail. And yet in our failure to love God and to worship Him rightly in our failure to love one another, in our failure to our duty, 
we are commanded to come unto the Lord Jesus Christ and confess our sin and find mercy in Him. The Lord Jesus Christ never turns us away. The Lord Jesus Christ never says, well, this is about the tenth time you've come with this sin. He never turns us away because all of our sin and our guilt is hidden in Christ. There in Deuteronomy chapter 5, there in that second giving of the law that's recorded there in chapter 5, Moses again speaks those statutes and those judgments to Israel. Because he says, the Lord made a covenant with you in Horeb. The Lord made the covenant with our fathers and calls us to serve him. And so there in Deuteronomy chapter 5, it gives a summary again of the law of God and of the duty that Israel has. But there in verse 24, at the end of that second giving of the law, and ye said, Behold, the Lord our God has showed us his glory and his greatness. We have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God doth talk with man, and he liveth. Now therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord of our God any more, then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh that hath heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and have lived? There's the gospel in the covenant given to Moses. When many say that the covenant of Moses was a covenant of law, a covenant of works, that's false. Because there in the giving of that covenant under Moses, the people heard the voice of God and they shuddered. And yet they are reminded, how can man live in the midst of the voice of God? But Moses stood there as an intercessor between them and God, showing us that in Christ Jesus, all of our sin, all of our guilt is cast upon Him. And so we in Him, are made holy and righteous. And so as we consider this morning the application of God's law in the life of the believer, we come to the table not to receive some more and more grace. We come to the table of the Lord not to receive merit or salvation. We come to the table as those who are forgiven. We come to the table as those who are in Christ, seeking more for His mercy more for His grace, that we might be more and more obedient children unto this God who loves us and has given Himself for us. And so let us sing to the glory of God, Psalm 51d, God be merciful to me.